ask if you'll turn in your Bibles this morning to the bur- bur- book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. The title of our message this morning is The Treasure of the True Church. The Treasure of the True Church. I could have just made the title The Treasure of the Church and that would have been fine. But you and I know that there are many things out there in our day that call themselves the church who are not anything like what the Lord Jesus Christ established when he was upon the earth and what the apostles also uh, helped establish after he went back to heaven for his intercessory work. Um, But this morning, I'm not here to cast dispersions on any of them or or not here to look at any of the counterfeits or discuss any of the counterfeits this morning. But what we want to do is we want to see the treasure of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ and hopefully love it more than we ever have in all of our lives. Now, we don't worship the church. Amen? Amen. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we have sang today... It is that that he gave his precious blood for was his church. It is that church that he established while he was upon the earth and he said that the gates of hell would never prevail against it. And so I just want you to treasure that in your heart this morning and I hope love it more than you ever have. And before we dive in, I just want to say thanks to different groups of people. First, I want to say to those that are older than me, thank you for your love for the church. Thank you for treasuring the church. Thank you for giving your life and and your health. I think about Brother Bobby. You know, Brother Bobby's not even a member here, beloved, but he's so faithful to come. I believe it's because he loves the Lord Jesus Christ and he loves his church. Would you say amen? Amen. Brother Brother Bobby doesn't even have a job anymore. I saw him put a contribution in the contribution box this morning to give to Zion. Do y'all praise God for that? Brother, Brother Bobby, I praise God for your life in the kingdom of God and your love for the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I see my mom and dad. I see Brother Kevin, Brother Don, Sister Connie. Thank you for loving the church. I pray that you'll just burn out for God, that you'll love her and be faithful to her and to Christ all the rest of your days and and pray for those that are left behind that they'll carry on the banner of King Jesus until he comes again. So I want to say that to you. To those that are my age and in that age group who are kind of in the thick of things, in the in the thick uh, uh, thickness of life as we would call it, I want to encourage us to press on. I want us to encourage to make the most of, of our day and and to make much of Christ and to serve Him, like Brother Drew said us, with great energy, with joy and, and gladness, and, and do a good job passing on uh, this wonderful heritage, heritage to those who are coming behind us. I, I encourage y'all, keep pressing on. It's worth it all. Uh, but those that are the youngest in here, I, I want you to uh, see... Uh, the great treasure that the church is. I, I want you to make determinations uh, in your life to, as you get married, to try to seek to marry someone that loves the Lord, also that loves the church, and to build your life and to give your lives uh, to it and make it a priority in your life. There'll be no greater blessing that you can have in this world, in your life, than to know and follow the Lord and to serve Him in His church and to appreciate uh, the truths that have been passed down to us through the ages and that are in the Word of God and to build your life upon them and continue uh, to shine that light, to be that city that is set on a hill, uh, beloved, to be the salt of the earth. And I just want to encourage you in that today as, as we begin. There's two wonderful things that I want to bookend this uh, message with. First, we read what Brother Drew, uh, and we heard what Brother Drew read in Psalm 100. And I just rejoice in it. It's at the very end, in uh, verse 5, it says that His truth will endure forever. Isn't that wonderful? 
to know that, that God, that there's going to be a perpetuity of His truth in this world until He comes again. And we believe in the perpetuity of the church. Uh, uh, C.H. Spurgeon, uh, or no, this is in the uh, 1689 London Confession of Faith. It says, Christ always has had and ever shall have a kingdom in this world. And so one bookend is that His truth is going to endure forever. Hallelujah. And also... Uh, we read in the scriptures that says there will be glory in his church, world without end. Amen. So we see those two great book in truths. But I want you to see also that the, the church of God is connected to the truth and the endurance of the truth in this world. So now let's turn our eyes to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And so the apostle Paul is about to pass off the scene. He had fought a good fight. Amen. He had, he had finished his course. He kept the faith. And what was the, the driving love uh, in the heart of the Apostle Paul? It was the glory of Jesus Christ and the good of his church. That's what he spent his life out and even, even gave his life at the end for it. And now also he is encouraging others to follow in that same vein. He's encouraging Timothy and he's encouraging all of us, listen to what he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 as we begin. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how that thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and listen to this, what he puts on the end, the pillar and ground of the truth. Beloved, that is so important that we make that connection with the truth and with the church. Oh, I, I, I pray that you see that and that you appreciate that this morning. So we said that this that we have been given, this that Christ has established in the earth through His life, through His ministry, and also through the teachings and lives of, of the apostle, that this is a great treasure that we have in our lives. Would y'all say amen to that? Amen. This is a great treasure that we have and it is a treasure beloved that must be preserved that's the first point that we want to make if you're taking notes this morning this is a treasure that must be preserved now we believe in the perpetuity of the church but that doesn't mean that the church will always be among us we hope that it will we hope that we will have uh, that blessing that we will know and get to be a part of the true church of the lord jesus christ all the days of our life, but through the uh, centuries, it has gone under many names. It has been in many different uh, nations and still is today. And I want to be clear that I'm not up here saying that the Primitive Baptists are the only true church in the world. I'm not saying that. There are probably, I don't want, like I said, I'm not up here to judge anybody, but there are probably churches out there that have Primitive Baptists on their sign that have ceased to be the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are probably many out there, I believe there to be many out there that don't have the name Primitive Baptist, that are also the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be clear about that. But, but I do believe that the church of God can be identified by what she believes and by what she practices in this world. And it's something that must be preserved. Now, this is something that ought to really strike a, a chord in every one of us. Because when we think about the book of Revelation, right? And we think about the Apostle John as he's about to pass off of this world too. Probably the last of the apostles. And he writes to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, these were churches, beloved, that have been established by the apostles themselves. Probably some of them had had the apostles as their pastors in them. And yet, and probably some of the purest churches that have ever been in the world. And the majority of them, as you read Paul's letters from the Lord through John, I mean, from the Lord and from the Spirit to them, several of them, at least half, maybe more, were in danger of losing their candlestick. How much more should we also uh, be watchful and, and be wary to preserve this that has been given unto us from the Lord. It's a great treasure. I want you to go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 6. We have to really appreciate what the Lord gives to us 
in our lives. And to whom much is given, much is required. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Now, Jeremiah lived in a terrible time, didn't he? Israel had been given some wonderful and great things. They had, had been given uh, the commandments. They had been given the tabernacle and then uh, the temple. They were the only people in the world this time where God's true messages and God's truth and the true worship of God was in the world. That's, that's amazing to think about, right? That that's the only place that it was. And yet, because they did not treasure it, they were in danger. And Jeremiah's whole ministry was to preach to them that they were in danger of losing all the treasure that they had been given by God. And we're going to be taken off into captivity. They were going to have to hang their hearts on, on the willow trees and have to learn to appreciate the treasure that they had been given. And Jeremiah implored of them uh, to not uh, dilute or, or pervert the true worship of God and God's truth and, and to not look at the blessings that God had given to them in worship and revelation as just a common thing to go alongside every other thing that was in the world. And so Jeremiah cries out in his day, listen to this in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, what? We will not walk therein. Well, what happened to that generation? They lost everything. We know that the book of Ezekiel is about the glory of God departing from them. And then the enemy coming in like a flood and, and burning the temple to the ground. Uh, killing all the princes of Israel and taking them off into captivity. And they had no more nation, no more uh, place of worship anymore in their lives. What I'm telling you is that this treasure that we have been given is something that we must be very careful to maintain, to guard, to appreciate, to love, to preserve. And beloved, I believe that it is preserved mostly by its doctrine and its practice. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. That's how the true church of God is identified in this world. Not by its name uh, on the outside of its building, but by the Spirit of God that is within it, the love of Christ that is there, but also by the doctrine and, and practice uh, that it maintains and believes. Here in 1 Corinthians, we know that this was also one of the first churches and had all kind of difficulties and, and problems in it. Apostle Paul has to write two long letters to get them back on the right track. Well, here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 1. He says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, here's something that he's commending them, that you remember me in all things. And he says, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. You know, Apostle Paul saw that as something that was so important for the preservation of the church and of the truth. And the Apostle Paul was always battling these false gospels, these false uh, uh, ministers in his day. And so, and so were the arrest of the apostles. And so uh, we have to do that work today in our lives as well. And so I'm just so thankful here that I believe that we still baptize in the same way that Jesus commanded for us to baptize. He says to immerse them, uh, believers, in water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, last year we got to see that done, uh, I believe it was four times. And the ordinances that were established 2,000 years ago are still being carried on. I'm glad when we meet together for the Lord's Supper, you know, that that hasn't been watered down in our midst. We still try to use wine just like they did. We still try to use uh, the unleavened bread just like they did. We even still kneel down and wash one another's feet. That's not part of the Lord's Supper, but it was a great example 
that Christ gave uh, to us that we should follow. I'm thankful for those things. I treasure those things. They're some of the most important things in my life. I'm still glad, beloved, that there's a place in northeast Mississippi, not just in this place, but other places, where the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for His glory alone, is still proclaimed and believed and preached in an unashamed way. A place where there's people that still believe, Brother Andy, that this book is the inspired and errant Word of God. We must stand upon that. That's one of the marks of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that she stands in those things. And that everything that we do, beloved, that this book is our only rule of faith and practice. And that's a great treasure to be a part of a place that even though it's imperfect, is striving to do that as much as within them is. is a treasure that must be preserved. Preserved by doctrine and practice, preserved by its adherence to the apostolic pattern. You know, the Bible teaches us that that the church was built upon the precious cornerstone, right, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's built upon His teachings, His life, His ministry, but also uh, the apostles as well, and the things that the Holy Spirit inspired them to preach and to write uh, to us and so we can't just have the church any way that we want it's not you know we live in a day where it's you know a, a burger king mentality just have the church and make the church any way that you want it to be oh i remember uh, i can hear granddaddy and brother wallace in my ear and in my head <laughs> you know uh brother wallace would say you know if you can, if you, if it takes a hot dog to get him into the church, the devil can get him away with a with a hamburger. I remember Brother Wallace saying that. I remember uh, Granddaddy saying, "Don't bring the church down into the gutter just to fill it up with people." No, the the church is something uh, much more precious uh, than that. You know, there's so much out there uh, today. Uh, in modern Christianity, you know, you have the cowboy church. I said I wasn't going to make fun of anything. <laughs> you have the, the spaceship church. You know, I, I saw one uh, while I was traveling. They called themselves the relevant church. You, they called themselves the vine, the road. Beloved, I'm, I'm still glad to just be a part of the church. And I rejoice in that. And that, that we are striving here to build our lives upon Jesus Christ, to build this church upon the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching and the pattern that was given to us in the New Testament. And that's part of how that this treasure can be preserved. And it's preserved, thirdly, by being Christ-centered in all of its actions. By being Christ-centered in all of its actions. If you just have a name if you just have doctrines and practices, but it's just cold formality, it's just traditions or just something that, um, you know, you've always done, that, that's not much. But if in those things that we've been given and have been passed down to us, we are trying in all those things for Christ to have the preeminence, that's where the glory of God is going to be. That's where the power is going to be from the Holy Spirit. Go to the book of Colossians. And uh, this is uh, the statement that's on the back wall here behind uh, the pulpit. And this is part of what really preserves the treasure of the true church in, in our life. That, that Christ is the center. Our preachers aren't the center. Our traditions aren't the center, but that Christ is the center of our preaching. Christ is the center uh, of our lives. Christ is the center of our families, of, of, of uh, our, our missions, of our evangelism, of our ministries. All here in Colossians chapter 1, we read in verse eight, uh, 18, And He, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Beloved, whatever true church is out there in the world that is striving all that within them is 
for Christ to have the preeminence in all things, they will find the blessing of God. They will have a great treasure in their life. And I hope that you feel that treasure here, that when we are, are preaching and when we are teaching and we are, are ministering, that the aroma of Christ and the name of Christ and the authority of Christ and the glory of Christ is over all that we do. And we need to pray that that would be so. Oh, beloved, it is also preserved by the marks, by the marks of the first century church. We believe that we need to recapture the spirit of first century Christianity. Uh, go with me to the book of Jude. I love what, what Jude said here in his gospel because in his uh, writings. Go with me to Jude right before the book of Revelation because he says it's very needful for me to, to write this to you because so much also was coming in into that first century that was trying to pull people's minds away from the preeminence of Christ, from uh, the true teachings of the apostles. And so Jude uh, felt that it was so important that he would write this to them in his day. If it was that important in his day, how much more important? Is it in our day that we do this as well? This is uh, the book of Jude, beginning in verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you. And this is what I exhort everyone that is under the sound of my voice today as well from the Word of God, that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints make that one of the greatest goals and passion of your life that that you do that and that we do that here together and i believe also beloved not only uh, as we look through and we've studied through the marks uh there's more than 12 but we specifically looked at 12 marks that identify uh the true church of the lord jesus christ and we need to seek to always try to maintain those marks and be uh, that we be recognizable by those truths and those marks of that first century such as uh, just the first one is that we have a regenerated and converted membership that everyone that is a member of of this church is a child of God that has been born again by the Holy Spirit of God and converted by the gospel and so you think, well, that's just an elementary thing. No, that there are things out there that, that call themselves churches in our day full of people that don't even know the Lord. That don't even know the Lord. I remember, y'all remember, uh, I've said this before. Uh, I saw, I was watching Sean Hannity the other day, and Kid Rock was on there, and he was involved in this controversy about a beer company, all right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, but Kid Rock made this statement on Sean Handy. He said, I'm a God-fearing Christian man. And I just kind of was taken aback and shocked by that because you, re you can read the lyrics to his music, his songs, you see his uh, lifestyle uh, that, that he lives, and he's the furthest thing from what the Scriptures would describe as someone that was a God-fearing Christian man. But beloved, that's what we've come to and in our day, and that's what so much of modern Christianity has, has morphed into, and that's what I want us to avoid. That's not the treasure. But beloved, what but we have been given, and what we are striving to do here, to me, is, part, is that great treasure. And it's preserved also, lastly as we leave this point, by the carrying out of the command and commission of Christ. I just want us to turn to that and read that again. I'm, I'm so excited about going to uh, Mozambique and Malawi and Ethiopia and Kenya. Uh, I've been, it's been so wonderful uh, to help plant true churches of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in those lands, I, I hope that also happens in Ethiopia as well, and and other places throughout the throughout the world. It was so wonderful uh, when we discovered that in Russia, 
that there had been true churches in, in Russia that had, had uh, existed all through the Cold War and, and communism and God had preserved them. It's so wonderful. But I just don't think that anybody could really seriously consider themselves to be in that vein of the true church unless they're serious about obeying and believing the Great Commission. Because these are the last words of the ascended Christ to us. And so I just want to read it to us again. Have you turned there in Matthew chapter 28? Just let this stir your heart because this should be the prime directive of the church. Not just going out in other nations, but here in our own community, in our own lives, uh, in our own nation and communities and counties and cities. We must be about this. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, authority, is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now here it is. Go ye therefore, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So to me, this speaks that the, the group of believers that Jesus Christ is going to give His presence to are those who are actively, passionately trying to obey this great commandment that He has given to them. It should be part of the prime directive of the church. And I'm glad it is here at Providence. May it ever be so. May we even grow more and more in that. So, it is a treasure that must be preserved. It's something that can be lost to our lives, uh, to our communities, to our nation. But it won't be lost in the world. Hallelujah. Because God, will, His truth will endure forever. His, the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. Secondly, let's move quickly. It is a treasure not only that must be preserved, but it is a treasure that should be pursued. The, the Bible tells us that we're to press in to the kingdom of God. I think about um, those stories that Jesus uh, talked about, about the kingdom of God is likened to this, right? It's like a man found a treasure hidden in a field. Y'all remember that uh, story that Jesus told? He said, the man went and sold everything else that he had uh, to buy the field because of the treasure that, that he had found. Oh, he pursued it. He wanted to... Uh, for it to be a part of his, of something that he possessed in his life. And so this is also, and it must be pursued with passionate sacrifice. Write that down. The church and the treasure of the true church is something that must be pursued with passionate sacrifice. I asked you, is that the way that the Lord Jesus Christ pursued us? Did he pursue us with passionate sacrifice? Yes, he did. That means that you have to be willing to give your time. You have to be willing to give your finances. You have to be willing uh, to give your, your uh, talents to the kingdom of the Lord. Uh, just write this uh, down, 2 Samuel 24, 24. We're not going to turn to it because you're, just, you're all so familiar with this. It's when uh, King David had that great desire to bring the ark of God, which was the symbol of the presence of the Lord and the blessing of God into the city of Jerusalem and let, it, and let it rest there until the temple was built. And it was at another place and, and uh, David wanted to purchase uh, uh, the place where it was. And the man said, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, he said, I'll just give it to you, right? And David said, no. I'm not going to serve the Lord in a way that costs me nothing. And David paid double uh, what would have been the normal asking price uh, for it. And, and to me, that's just the kind of heart that we want to have uh, toward the church. You know, beloved, I'll just say about myself, I have failed in many ways in my life. In many things, and I acknowledge that before you and before God. Many of you have seen my faults and failings. You have seen my struggles uh, in the 52 years that, that I've been alive. 
But two things that I've really strived for above everything else is to uh, love my wife and my children and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's one thing. But also to passionately, sacrificially love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to give my life to His church. And that no sacrifice would be too great and no service would be too small. And I have, I have regrets about a lot of other things in life, but, beloved, I have no regrets in those things because they have been the joy of my life. They have been the greatest treasures that I believe that I could ever know. And I love Zion. I love uh, all those things like uh, David said about uh, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. I love the people of God. I love the way we worship him in spirit and truth in a simple way, singing hymns together. I love how we wash feet. I, I love the truth uh, that is preached. I love election and predestination. I love all this that Brother Andy has been preaching to us about uh, justification. All these things are just treasures to me that fill my life and my mind and, and my soul. And my delight has been to give my life to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may it ever be, y'all pray for me, that it would ever be so in my life. That I would pursue it and that you would pursue it with passionate sacrifice. Also pursued with patient perseverance. It's not always easy, is it? It hasn't always been easy in my life. It won't always be easy in your life. It wasn't easy for the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't easy for the apostles. It wasn't easy for any of the Old Testament saints. But it's just like digging in a mine. Digging in a mine for treasure isn't easy. A lot of, a lot of days maybe you feel like that you dug and you, you, didn't, you didn't get anywhere. and You didn't get anything out of it. Oh, but, but beloved, it, it's, the treasure is there. And it must be uh, pursued here in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I love this as well. The Apostle Paul says this, And with patient perseverance he labored in, in the kingdom of God and among uh, the church to establish, help establish her in the world. And listen to what he says and that this would be our mindset as well. I love this heart here, and this, this is the type of patience and perseverance that we need. Because like we said, we live, in a time, we live in a time when people just don't stick with things. They don't stick with their marriage. Uh, they don't stick with their church. They don't, they don't stick uh, with their, with their, even with their family, or just in a lot of ways. That's abounds, but listen to what the Paul says. Say, pray this prayer that God will give you this heart too. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Say, so, Brother Nathan, you know, why is it is so important, you know, to go uh, uh, to Africa or to the Philippines or to Nicaragua or to India or to or to Russia, all these different places. Beloved, it's because we, if we don't share the treasure that we have been given, I believe we'll lose the treasure. We want to share the treasure that has been given to us. We, we want to pursue it with patient perseverance. Also, it must be pursued with personal involvement. You know, you've got to have skin in the game. It, it's it's got to be something that you're personally involved in. When we sing, that you're singing. When we pray, that you're praying. Uh, you must give. You must uh, minister. Uh, when we have a fellowship uh, time, you must cook and bring your food and share your lives uh, with one another. And you must be hospitable. And uh, you must be a witness and a light. We live in a time where people just want to pay others to do their Christianity 
for them. Do their evangelism for them. Do their singing and their worship for them. Oh, beloved, let us, let us be like Martha and, and Mary. Uh, how busy Martha was uh, bringing into the believers, into their home, uh, serving, and, and Mary also singing at Jesus' feet and, and learning of Him. Personal involvement. And, and two, as we think about this treasure that must be uh, pursued, it must be pursued with a mindset of past, future, I mean past, present, and future. I love about, we've talked about this about many times, about the attitude that King David had. Remember that he wanted to build a house for God. He wanted to build the temple, right? And God said, you're a man after my own heart. You've done wonderful things, but you shed too much blood on the earth. You've been a bloody man. I'm not going to allow you to build the temple, but I am going to allow your son to build it. And so King David didn't mope about that. He didn't whine about that. He spent the rest of his kingship getting everything that Solomon would need for the future. Now, that's why I appreciate uh, the baptistry. That's why I appreciate y'all have a heart to, to build a, a playground and, and to try uh, to make this facility where the church meets, where that the church uses to worship and preserve this great treasure, to make it as nice as we possibly can for now, but also for the future. And I love David's heart, that he was that way. It's not just, it wasn't just about me and mine, but David delighted to know that the, the people in future generations were going to have this uh, wonderful thing to worship God through. But I think about also the other king. I think it was Hezekiah. Remember, he kind of showed off all the, the treasures in the temple to the Babylonians. And the prophet came to him and said, you shouldn't have done that because you've done that. All this is going to be taken away. And his mindset will be, well, at least it's not going to happen in my day. That's terrible, right? We don't want to have that. And we've got to be willing to suffer. We're fixing to start our study about Joshua. And I think, and I feel so sorry for Joshua and Caleb because when they came up to the promised land and they spied out the land, they came back with a good report and said, it's ready for us. God will be with us. But the other people, you know, they, they, uh, they um, halted. And said, we're not going to go in because of, of their fear and not trusting in God. And so of that whole generation, Joshua and Caleb were the only men of that generation to actually, 40 years later, to be able to go and possess the promised land. But they didn't quit on the people of God is my point. Right? They went and they suffered with them and, and were faithful even through uh, that 40 years in the wilderness. And so as we think about the church, we do look back at the past and, and, and we can learn from some of the mistakes that we've made. We can appreciate, like we've talked about this morning, the sacrifices, the stands, the uh, suffering that those in the past were willing to do to pass the treasure on to us. And now the treasure is with us. And how much that it ought to mean to us and how we ought to make so much of it and be so thankful for it and make the most of it, but also to be faithful to pass it on to the next generation is so important with, and, and to pursue it with all its privileges and blessing. I love this language in Psalm 137. Will you turn with me there? Psalm 137. This is, is kind of a, a sad scene somewhat, but also there's some teaching in here of the mindset that we need to have in regards to our, our participation and our appreciation of the treasure of the true church. So I told you in Jeremiah's day that they did not treasure it, what they had been given, and so they lost it. And that can happen to us today as well here in psalm 137 beginning in verse 1 by the rivers of babylon there we sat down yea we wept when we remembered zion 
We hang our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us myrrh, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land, they said. They realized what that they had forfeited. You know that old saying says, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Let's, let's think about that for us here at Providence. Let's think about that. If we didn't have this in our lives anymore. They said, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remi- remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of, of my mouth. This is how we ought to feel about the treasure of the true church. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Beloved, it's a treasure that we must be careful to preserve. It is a treasure, a true treasure, that we must also be willing to pursue with everything that is within us for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thirdly, we've kind of touched on this. It's a treasure that has been propagated. Aren't you glad that, the, that this treasure has always been in the world from the time of Christ till now? And I believe it will be in the church until, uh, it will be in the world until he comes again. I rejoice in that. Sometimes, even throughout the centuries, uh, it's even been very hard to see where it was. But I love the way that somebody described it to me one time. He said, if you see a train go in one side of a mountain, while the train is in the mountain, you can't see it, but you know it's in there. And then when it comes out the other side, you know that the train that went in the one side was the train that came out of the other side. And so even through, we can't, by landmarkism or secessionism, we don't make any of those uh, claims of, of secessionism or landmarkism, but we do believe that the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ has always been in the world. And I rejoice in that, and that she's in the world today, and that she will be until he returns again. I just want, I just want to be a part of it. I, I want to be in on that work of God's truth enduring to all generations. And so it's a treasure that has been propagated, a treasure that Christ intended to be shared among all peoples and among all generations. And beloved, I believe it if it is, is not shared, then it will be lost. I love what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. Let's look at it again. It's, it's kind of a summary of all the rest of the book of Acts, of, of them actually carrying out this. And it's what we need to be about as well. And it's what they were about. And, and while they turned the world upside down, Acts chapter 1 and, and verse 8, after, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Beloved, we still must be busy about that in our lives. And, and I love the way that that's framed, because he says, you know, you're going you're gonna to do this in Jerusalem. This was that closest area that affected their lives. And then Judea, uh, a sphere of influence larger and, and uh, much further out. And then he says, and even into Samaria, you know, those places where nobody wants to go, the, the people that nobody uh, wants to love, the Samaritans. And then he says, to the uttermost parts of the earth. But, beloved, as much as we share it without, we must also be willing to share it within. It's amazing to me uh, to see and to go into many different churches and see the generation gaps that are there. And usually the main reason for that is is because the generation before was not faithful uh, to pass on that faith and that truth to the next generation in an effective, productive way. 
But we know that this treasure especially must be shared with our natural offspring and our sphere of influence. I love that great command in Deuteronomy 6 and 7 about how they were to take the things that they had been commanded and the patterns that they had been given. They were to teach them to their children when they got up, when they laid down, when they were walking uh, by, by the way and to faithfully transmit that from generation to generation because we know even the book of Judges, chapter 2 and verse 10, that there arose a generation that had forgotten the things that had happened and the things of the truth and the glory that was before with Joshua and with Caleb. Let's go and just look at that and remind ourselves of that just for some strength to our commitment. You know, you uh, parents that are in the midst of raising children and working Man, it's hard sometimes to set that time aside for family devotion, to, to pray with your children, to talk to them uh, about uh, the Lord, about, about church, and encourage them in those things. But, beloved, you must do it. You must do it. Go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 2. It's hard to get here on Wednesday night. It's hard to get here uh, when we have our meetings in the summer. And, and take part in, in the ministry and other things that we do. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I'm so glad to have seen examples of grandparents and aunts and uncles who loved this treasure, who showed us how to treasure it, who showed us how much it meant to them. And thank to a God that touched our hearts and let it mean the same to us. Here in Judges Chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their father, fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which we had done for Israel. And so what did that lead to? That led to them going after Balaam and, and false church and false God and false gospels. May we be blessed. Oh, it's a treasure that can be lost, beloved, if not communicated as priceless. Now, fourthly and lastly, I want to say this because I know that this is true. This treasure that we're talking about is a treasure that has never been popular in this world. It's a treasure that has never been popular in this world the true church of the lord jesus christ has ever been persecuted it has it has uh, been hated especially by the world and and the devil and uh the apostle paul said brethren you see your calling how that not many mighty but not many noble uh have have been called and so we see it was the same in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what, what we must do, we must not fear or desire the favor of men or seek the praise of men when it comes to worshiping God and loving the truth. We have to be willing to be unpopular as Jesus was, as the apostles were. We must desire to be rich in the favor of God. Go with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh, here, here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse, beginning in verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are, which are mighty and base things of the world. And the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made, Unto, unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 
Beloved, desire to be rich in the favor of God. Don't worry about if the church is popular or not. But be most concerned about that the church that you belong to is, is trying to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart, soul, strength, and mind, that she is trying to pattern herself after the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles and the pattern that's in the New Testament. And also that you could just see also the bankruptcy of modern Christianity. I don't want to be judgmental, but you see so much out here that we see on TV or or, and y'all see it in the world of this modern Christianity with the watered-down gospel and, and uh, just uh, entertainment centers and man-centered organizations. Beloved, that is not the treasure that Christ would desire for us to have in our lives. And then understand, too, that even though that it's not popular, in this world, it's going to be very popular in the world to come. Amen. <laughs> that the best is is yet uh, to come. And I'm glad for that, that uh, when we are in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ returns and established his eternal kingdom, there'll be no more uh, false church and true church, but we'll all just be one together perfectly. Don't you rejoice in that? I rejoice in that so much to see that day. And to just remember that Jesus said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. And that if we suffer with him, then we will also reign with him one day. And I just want to end there. Let's go to the book of Matthew 16 to close with these words of the Lord Jesus Christ and remind ourselves of them. Oh, this is this is wonderful for us to think about and and remind ourselves of. Matthew sixteen verse eighteen, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, beloved, may we realize that we have been given a great treasure, and let us treat it as such. May the Lord bless you and keep you as our prayer. Thank you.